Uh, <laughs> you hit start, didn't you? <laughs> I did start. I'm cracking things. myself up and you're hitting start. This could be edited out, though. Of course. Okay. I'm pretty sure I'll edit it out. <laughs> Simon, thanks for having me today. You're very welcome. Um, I'm toying with the idea of uh, a title for this podcast, which I guess by the time people listen to it, they'll know what that is. But uh, I want to touch on uh, a few topics today. Ross is um, a, an insurance specialist with 3P Insurance Services, indeed the founder and CEO of said company. And... Um, we're going to talk about insurance today as it, re- as it relates to financial planning, but uh, Ross does, wears a number of other hats as well. So we'll perhaps start... It's uh, never a boring day in 3P land. Uh, obviously not. <laughs> obviously not. So we might get into a few of the other things that Ross does when he's not, uh, when he's not insuring. Um, Ross, insurance. It's got a dirty reputation. People... Uh, tend to shy away from it. Uh, people who are insurance agents tend to mention that very quietly. Why, why do you think? Why do you think insurance has has this sort of slimy reputation? The insurance industry. Well, I think first of all, I think one of the reasons that people don't want to talk about it. And wow, you're just coming out swinging right off the bat. Why well, um, supposed to be a conversational podcast? No, I, I I think some of the reasons why you you hear that people don't want to talk about it. Right. Is let's be real here. When you're talking to the insurance agent, you're talking about your mortality. You're talking about your morbid, your morbidity. It's You're being forced to think about, if I die, if my wife dies, what's going to happen? If I'm disabled, what's going to happen? Who wants to have that conversation? Do you, I know people don't look forward to having that conversation with me. No. I know it. And... Because it is a very serious subject, it is something we have to deal. With, but we're, we're we're thinking about it, and you know, listen. Also, who knows what somebody's past history is? You know, maybe they they have a, a family history, and, it, and it's going to come up. You're going to be talking to somebody about their family history because it's a concern of theirs. Well, guess what? You're you're really hitting raw bone sometimes. Mm-hmm. So that's one reason why I think people don't want to deal with it. You know, until they have to. You know, and and that that have to is usually. You have a baby. You bought a house. You know, you got married. You know, those are the things that strike you. It's like, hey, now you really need to get serious and start thinking about this. That's the same kind of uh, catalyst that drives people to me as well. It's it's a, a life event. Uh, you know, who wants to sit and talk to a financial planner when you're single and you're 20 and you got your apartment in the city and you got your okay job? You don't. And retirement is a million years. Percentage-wise, very few. You're never going to die, right? Because so. Yeah, it, it does take those those events, but I, I mean, I guess what I was getting at was, um, you know, an estate planning attorney, for instance, would would have to have those conversations as well. Obviously, very much so. Absolutely. But no one thinks of estate planning attorneys quite the way they think of insurance agents. Insurance agents, there is an added layer of. I think there's an added layer, and and Simon, you and I see this all the time when we review what other people show clients and try right. to sell them. And, and I think the key word there is sell them. A lot of people don't 
have the conversation with the client. They don't talk to them. They don't find out what their real goals and needs are. They just see, okay, here's the person's cash flow. Well, here's what you should have. Right. You know, um, oh, you should get this whole life policy because you can afford $30,000 a year. Doesn't mean it's right for the person. Doesn't mean it's wrong. So I want to jump right in and say that too. Not everybody who shows a whole life policy at that premium is doing the wrong thing. Right. I think you know there needs to be a, a, a larger strategy uh, and conversation um, with the person. You know, if if you're talking to an insurance agent and he shows you a figure, here's how much insurance you need. It's okay to ask them. Okay, how did you come up with that? Where, where is this number coming from? It doesn't make sense to me. You know, when I have conversations with clients, it's we, we have the conversation, what are your goals, what are your needs? And then I go back to the drawing board, I find all the carriers and quotes for them, and then when we come back, usually the first thing that I say is, okay, here's what we're looking at, here's what you said to me was important, here's what you wanted covered, and I'm basically going over the notes from the last meeting, so I'm reminding the client, here's where I got these numbers from. If I tell you you need two and a half million dollars, here's how we came up with the two and a half million dollars. If you only need a half a million dollars, here's how I came up with that so that the person understands. Right, as opposed to the insurance agent who may say, as you said, the amount of coverage that you need is basically what I see that you can afford. So or I see that you have the money to spend on. Yeah. So it's sold, not bought. Correct. I mean, I, and I'll see it all the time because I do work with uh, you know, f- other financial advisors and insurance professionals who don't do the life. It's not their focus, so they'll bring me in. But I'll have a lot of times where they'll call me up and they'll say, oh, can you get me a quote for a million dollars for a 35-year-old? And they get upset with me when I say, how did you come up with that figure? How did you come up with that product? Well, it's what the client wants. Is it really what the client wants? Did the client ask for that? How did the client, and even with clients, I'll say the same thing. We'll have the same conversation. I hope you do. Um, you know, any of my clients out there listening, any of you who've called me and said, oh, I want a million dollars, I'm asking you, how did you come up with that? What is the goal? What's the plan? Because I want you to tell me. I want to make sure. You may have a great reason that how you came up with that number, and sometimes they do. Oh, I met with my accountant. I met with my attorney, and here's what we want to do with it, and here's the purpose of it. Okay, great. But more than half the time, it's like, well, my neighbor had it. Yeah. Well, do you do the same thing as your neighbor? Does your neighbor have the same amount of kids, the same amount of costs? And, you know, so there's, there's larger conversations that need to happen. But there are some people who just look at it as it's a sale. They want to get in. They want to get out. Uh, and that's not the way you should be buying your, your insurance. Or even dumber is uh, the um, I figured out I want to spend $600 a month on life insurance. Can you just tell me how much coverage I can get for that? That's going about it completely backwards, right? Completely. Completely. You really need to start with not how much, here's your budget, how much can you buy for that? How much do you need? Right. Because $600 a month may only get you half a million dollars of a whole life policy, but if you need $2 million because of your expenses and everything else and you know, to protect your family's lifestyle, you probably need a lot more. Maybe we need to mix in some term insurance um, to do that and make sure, okay, did you look at your disability? Do you need disability insurance? Because I'd rather, instead of somebody, you know, this is my personal philosophy, uh, if there's limited dollars, I'd rather load, get the person as much term as they need and then take the rest and get them disability insurance because if they're disabled, how are they paying their bills? And how the, how's the lifestyle going to continue? So it's really finding out everything and putting it as part of a full strategy. Disability insurance is the most, the most ignored insurance 
uh, possible, right? Uh, I, I, there, there are some carriers out there that don't even sell um, disability insurance. Baffles me. They don't focus on it. They don't, I, I talk to some of these brokers all the time, and they're, they're, they just don't know. Baffles me because it's, it's such a higher risk than death during working uh, absolutely during working lifetime. And disability insurance is uh, disability insurance gets a bad rap. Um, so, talk a little bit, uh, if you could, and I, I know this, and I know there are some other advisors in, um, who I work with who also work with you, but tell me just a little bit about how, you, how you'd work with an advisor. What, 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 why are we attractive partners for you? Advisors are attractive partners because when you're meeting with the client, you're looking at everything. You're looking at what their finances are, what their cash flow is, you know, from their investments. You're looking at what they have, what their needs are. And so you kind of can gauge, okay, there's an insurance need here. You know, people search out for a financial advisor more than they do an insurance broker. Mm -hmm. So you're kind of like the first line. And while you're having that conversation with them, you're going to be able to assess, hey, there's an insurance need here. Um, and because it's not something that you specialize in, hey, I'd like to bring in somebody to review the work um, group plan that you have and make sure you have what you think you have, that you're covered um, like you think you are. Um, and just to review it and go over it, um, to look at the life insurance that they have, uh, maybe from another carrier. You know, is it producing the way they thought it would? And you know, do they have what they think they have? And just to go over it. Right. I mean, uh, there are advisors out there, obviously. I'm, I'm certainly not one of them. Um, but there are advisors out there who will sell you the insurance solution as part of their financial advisory uh, practice, right? So they'll have gone back, got the licenses and everything else. There, there are some. There are some that we work with who have their licenses. It's just not something they do and specialize. So even though they're licensed to do it, they still bring us in because it is such a specialty. Because it is so time consuming. Right. We come in. We do all the heavy lifting. We know the questions to ask because we go through this day in and day out. They're great at managing money. You know that's what they do. That's their specialty. Um, I do the insurance part. You know that's my specialty. So it's. It works out really best for the client. And, and sometimes also the financial advisor, you know, the client may have one goal um, and the financial advisor is trying to work for that. But by bringing me in, we're talking about it. And sometimes insurance can be the solution. And I'll give you an example. I had a, a wealth manager come in and we were talking and he was telling me about a client who wanted to leave in his asset, in his assets and in his will. He wanted to make sure that there was $2 million there set on the side that couldn't be touched because when he passed away, that $2 million was going to his alma mater. And you know, so this is what he wanted to do. And that was great. I think it's great when any time you know, when we have assets, if we can give it for charitable giving to you know, universities and schools so that they can have money to do things. I think that's great. But here's the problem. When you do that, that's $2 million that's not going to the family. And you're not getting a tax write-off. So when we were talking, I said, well, would the client be interested in a tax write-off? And he goes, well, what do you mean? I said, well, if we get a life insurance policy for $2 million and the university is the owner and the beneficiary of it, every year when he sends money to the university or the charity, you know, it could also be a charity, he's sending it to them, they're paying the premiums, he now has a charitable write-off. 
Right. So he's got the tax deduction. When he passes on, he or she passes on, the charitable organization, the university, still has gets the $2 million. So we've given him a tax write-off while he's alive, and we've saved $2 million of assets to continue for the family so that they're not as strapped either and spread as thin. So right. it's, it's just bringing... these happy because they got their money anyway. They were getting $2 million anyway. Exactly. So, so it's a win for everybody involved in this equation. That's good, and I, and I think that sort of feeds into the, the next point, which is when you are an RIA, when you are a fiduciary, when your model is set up the way Angular Advisors is, which is that uh, you know we're, we're a fee-only firm. Uh, I do not sell insurance. I do not write wills. I do not do taxes. Uh, I tend to quarterback stuff out, but the important thing is the experience for the client, and if I can bring in somebody who specializes in certain areas, be it estate planning, be it insurance, be it taxes, um, you know, the client experience is a lot better. Uh, and it does not, what I do not do is sacrifice any, anything in terms of uh, conflicts of interest either. So um, we, we've worked together on a number of clients. Uh, I know the feedback from the clients has always been very good. And I tend to, you know, um, get some credit for the work with my clients for the work that you put in. So. It is, it is kind of a win-win-win. Uh, and I think one of the great things that you're doing, Simon, and, and you know, listen, I've known you now for four-plus years, and, and to watch you evolve on this point is you're not just providing your service. You're always out there looking for the strategic relationships, the strategic alliances that you can bring knowing, okay, most of my clients have this issue, so if they don't have somebody to do it, I want to solve it for them. So you have in your contact list, you have trust and estate attorneys, you have people like myself, you have the CPAs, you know, whatever your client needs, you know, you can fill that for them. Right. And, and I think that's very important that everybody in any profession have. It's a big, uh, it's a big part of the experience that I try to uh, generate for the clients and something I make a lot of noise about in my marketing. And it's also a wonderful segue into the uh, second part of what I wanted to talk to you. So you can take your insurance hat off now. Uh, All right, one hat off, third one coming on. Um, let's talk about networking a little bit. I mean, we, we, we've alluded to it just now. Um, you know, you and I uh, connected through this New York networking circuit, um, and people are very, people can get quite passionate about networking. There are, there are these, you know, evangelical BNI type people who, for, who, who, who are literally out networking four or five nights a week. And then there are other people who are very dismissive uh, of the whole idea of networking and, you know, it, it's, it's a waste of time. Uh, if I want to, uh, frankly, if I want to find a, a, an interior designer, I'll just call Simon. So Simon's out there doing all the networking all the time and I'll just call Simon and he'll be able to give me uh, you know, I don't need to waste my time doing it. Um, so it, do, it does bring <laughs> it does a passion. Now, I think we're both on the same page when it comes to this. I'm, I'm, I'm a believer in the power of networking um, because, as you just said, I need to be, right, because of, of, of these people. So um, you're, you're deeply involved in, in, in the New York scene. Can you, do, you, do you want to just explain a little bit about... Sure. So, I mean... First of all, and I don't want to sound cliche, but I kind of have to for this. Yeah. The word is networking. 
And I think what a lot of people you're talking about, there are some people who just don't want to do it, don't get it. You know, they don't understand that you know, networking is work. You have to put the time and effort into it. You can't just show up at an event, pass out your cards, and think, okay, I'm going to start to get business. And I've seen a ton of people do that. I've gone to some of these events. I've seen it happen when I was at a large carrier uh, before I went independent. You know, I used to see the, the brokers in the office. They'd come back with a stack of cards and think they were going to write a ton of business and didn't realize that, you know, everyone's there looking for clients. They're not, it's not a realistic approach. You really need to start to look at networking and understand what your goal is going in, what you, what you want to accomplish. If you're looking for clients and you're going to some place where everybody's looking for clients and there's 30 guys who do what you do at this event, how are you differentiating yourself? I mean, Simon, you and I could walk into a networking event. I guarantee you there'll be 30 guys who do what you do and 30 guys that do what I do. And, you know, it's great. And maybe you'll have a couple conversations and maybe you'll find those one or two gems. And that's great. There's nothing wrong with finding those one or two gems out of a room of a couple of hundred. I think that's important to know. But you have to manage your expectation of thinking, oh, I'm going to walk in this room and I'm going to turn all these people into clients. It, right. just, it just doesn't happen that way. And I think that people, when they go to these events, because they're always told, go to events, go to events, go to events. I think they, their expectation isn't realistic. And that's why they're like, oh, I don't want to do this. Um, or you know, they have one negative interaction with somebody, somebody who doesn't get what they do, and they just get turned off by it. And also they get all these cards, they handed out their cards, and they think their phone's just going to ring tomorrow. They're not doing their part in reaching out to people. You know, when I go to these large events now, and again, don't forget, I've been doing networking you know, here in New York for, for 10 years, and that was out of necessity. Um, you know, and, I, and we'll go back to that. I'm sure you'll bring me back to that in a second. But, you know, when, when you go out and, you know, you're, you're, knowing, you're, you're meeting all these people, it's... What's next? And, and I'll reach out. I'll get the names and I'll reach it the next day or within 48 hours. I will email every single person I met at that event because that's what I was there. I was there to meet people. I'm there to meet people to become potential clients, to become potential partners for 3P Insurance. You know, when we work with wealth advisors, they, they become partners with us um, in, in that sake, you know, for their client or just resources for the clients. And I'm amazed. I will send out the emails from all, to all the people that I met. Maybe one or two people will get back to me. I was just going to ask you what the ratio. It's awful. Response ratio. It, it, it is. It is awful. So I kind of shy. First of all, I'm not the. Uh, b- believe it or not, I know anybody who knows me will not believe this, that, that, that this is true, but it is. I'm a very shy person. I am an introvert. Uh, you're supposed to tell the truth. I am telling the total truth. If you see me at these large events, you know I'm the guy who's trying to find the corner and just blend in. Um, I'm not the work-the-room type guy. When you, you know, when you see us do events for, for MNG, I work the door because I, I just get very... I don't know. I don't know what the word for it is. I... I'm just not that social butterfly type. Um, get me one-on-one. Get me in a position like this. Yes, I will talk your ear off. Um, but in those big social settings, I'm, I'm really am an introvert. Um, well, you mentioned MNG there. So this is more sort of brings it to harnessing networking so that you're not only doing it by walking into rooms of 200 people, which is just... Just a complete disaster. So, so MNG just you know MNG stands for my networking group, and is a it was a networking organization that I started ten years ago. 
Um, we have one chapter in Westchester County, and we have four four here in New York, and potentially in September there'll be a fifth. Um, and what we do is we've created these little groups, uh, and we've basically said, look, we're here to make money. You know, we're giving up we're giving up a night. You know, two times a month. We want to make money. Otherwise, why are we doing this? We want resources for our clients. We want those strategic alliances. But it's based on reality. It's not, oh, you know, you know you've got to be at every meeting. You've got to give a lead at every meeting. You've, we, we've kind of taken the stress and the BS, out, I hope I can say BS on a podcast, yes. um, you know, out of, out, out of networking, the stress. You know, I'd be amazed. I'd go to other events. You know, when I was part of, of another group. Uh, I don't want to say it out of respect. Um, and I was always amazed. It's like, oh, you know, next week is a holiday, so we're going to be off. And everybody was happy about that. Everybody was applauding. It's like if you're going to a group and it feels like a chore, then that's it's wrong. It should not feel like a chore. Even though it's networking, it is part of your, your marketing strategy and how you're going to – you know, that, that part of your day shouldn't feel like a chore. You shouldn't be like, oh, I got to go to this again. You shouldn't because you're, you're going in with the wrong attitude. You've got to go into it with that attitude. I'm going to see this person, that person, this person. I've got a question for this person, that person, this person. And, and go into it with that positive attitude. But if you're, if you're going into it, oh, I've got to go to this meeting. Oh, you know, and oh, if I don't bring a lead, I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to be put in the corner. And, and, and there are some groups that are like that. It, it's not realistic. You know, I always say to people, I'd rather get 10 leads that are real than 100 leads that 10 of them are real. Yeah, because you're wasting time on 90 of them. Exactly. And there are some of these groups out there who, you know, they're all about, oh, well, we gave, you know, 150 leads today. How much of it was real? So we really focus in on the camaraderie of the group, um, the energy uh, between the members, the comfort between the members, and focus on that. And that's why we take out that false giving. It really does help to build and foster those relationships. And I will say, and, and one of the reasons I, I've, I've been with this group so long is that behind what you just described, which is the camaraderie, the resources for each other, one thing that's very much in common is that the client, our clients, my client, your client, the lawyer's client, the real estate broker's client is, is, is top of mind throughout this whole thing. So we're there. Uh, Ultimately, to be better for our clients. Absolutely, so that's that's the that's that's the real the real thing. And if I wanted to put a de- uh, my devil's advocate hat on, well, I'm gonna say, don't forget, you know, my mantra is client first. Client first, right? I mean, that that's why we're there. We're not yeah. there to be able to tell our friends. I know, I know five estate planning attorneys, or, or the client is the one who ultimately benefits from these hours that you and I spend right. doing these meetings. Because we know the client's personality and we also know yeah. the professional's exactly. personality so we can match them and, and exactly. put them in the right fit. Exactly. E-harmony for clients. <laughs> so where's the devil? Let's, let's see. You mentioned your devil's advocate hat. So let's let's have it. Well, no, it's, 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 it's actually <laughs> in a networking context. Um, and I sort of alluded to it earlier. Why? All right. Never, uh, devil's advocate question. Why would I bother giving up two of my... Tuesdays or Wednesdays uh, every every month, and sending out a hundred emails to people I meet at events. When all I need to do is I just need to tag along, write the coattails of someone who does all that, 
and I decide I, need, I have someone who needs a building contractor. I just call my guy, <coughs> who spends all his time going to all these events, and say, uh, oh, Bob, or in my case, Simon, do you know a building contractor? And Simon, because he's a nice guy, says, yeah, I know a building contractor. Here's his number, and give him a call, tell him Simon's the same. So it's great for this person, right? Because they haven't put a minute of effort in. They're just piggybacking off what I do. Well, well yes and no, because... Yes, it's great for them because they have someone like you, they have someone like me in, in their contact list that they can call and say, hey, I need this. Can you get me somebody? And they take care of their client. But at the end of the day, you know, you know, you you're gonna get the you're gonna you're gonna get the points with the contractor in this case. Right. He's gonna think he's gonna, hey, Simon was great. Simon got me this oh, client. That's right. That's right. And so he's gonna start thinking about you. You ever remember when we sit in the meeting, let's say there's 25 people in that meeting, this is your board of advisors. These are your, your people that are thinking about you. You're sending them out saying, hey, you know, I want you to go out and look for and listen for this. That's who I'm looking to meet as a client. So by us doing the networking, yeah, we're building the assets that we have, the alliances, the people, and the resources. But we're also building the potential to get introductions to new clients, where the person who's calling you or myself and not doing all of that, they don't get that extra potential. That's true. Now, if they don't need that extra potential, that's great. Congratulations. Um, you know, then they, they use us for they use us for our resources, and we'll gladly take care of them. Um, but I don't think you're getting any new business that way, unfortunately. And I think that's the real plus of joining and becoming part of something. And and it's not just joining and becoming part of it. It's you know you've got to jump in, you've got to be there, you've got to have one on ones. You know, one of the things I hear all the time from people is, I joined this. You know, I've been here two months. I've been here three months. I haven't gotten anything yet. And, you know, again, this goes back to that realistic approach of, first of all, trust. You know, the bigger the trust factor, the bigger the ticket item, the more trust you got to build up before somebody's going to recommend you. That's very true. And, uh, you know, levels of expectation we talked about before. And I think in this context, that's very important, too. I think you need to put the time in, uh, and, 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 and not direct referrals either. Being introduced to other professionals who are contacts of other people in the group who, in a second-degree level, sort of in the LinkedIn parlance, you know, a second connection, yep. um, becomes a first connection. And, I mean, there's a lot of people I have met indirectly through this group have been introduced to me by people from this group who I've become close to. So. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, for myself, that became part of my business strategy. You know, how many people sit around the barbecue and talk about needing life insurance? You know, it, it doesn't happen a lot. So it's very tough for people to, to refer me in, in a lot of cases, because it doesn't come up. They're hanging out with their friends. They're not talking about needing life insurance most of the time. Usually when they talk about it, it's after the fact. So I always say to people, I'm looking to meet strategic partners like the financial advisor, like the property and casualty broker, because those are the people that the person's asking about life insurance. And therefore, it's a, once I have that relationship, it's much beneficial to them, for them to bring me in. It just makes sense. So that's kind of how I geared my business. And I always say to people, 
you know, based on what you do, yeah, it's great to tell people what clients you're looking for, but who's that strategic alliance that has access to the clients that they're going to say, you need to speak to Simon about this. He can manage your finances. Let's bring him in. Right. And, and, and he's asking the questions. He's like that front line for yourself. Great point. Um, any other hats on the table you'd like to wear at all? Or, uh, or do you want to... Uh you know what I think? I think everyone has heard enough. Um, you know, of the two hats I wear, um, maybe we'll do a we'll do a hat free podcast uh, another time. We, we 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 could do a hat free podcast. Um, it looks like the timer's starting to run long anyway. Oh, really? So okay. we, yeah, and the other one we'll just talk about all day long. All right, I, sorry. <laughs> Ross, thank you so much. Well, you know, um, you, you, you got to leave a cliffhanger. Oh, yeah. In, yeah. You know, with, with, with hat three, hat three. with hat three, there's always got to be a cliffhanger. Email me. <laughs> <laughs> with suggestions as to what you think Ross's third hat is. Are they suggestions or are they? Um, <laughs> see, you know, we're we're evolving your podcast. You know, oh, we're making please. now we're making it now interactive. Making it I'm taking you to the next level. It's what I do. Now we're going to do an episode of Dynasty. <laughs> uh, it is coming back, by the way. Is it really? Dynasty's coming back on CW. God's a little bit of entertainment news for you folks. God's sake. Um, Thank you, Ross. Pleasure as always. Uh, thank you, guys. I am going to... I do have a little bit of a hit list of people that I'm going to be um, talking to and bringing onto the podcast. So thanks very much. I will see you all soon. Take care. Thanks, Simon. Thanks.